Book Two, Chapter Six of Red Masquerade. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Red Masquerade by Louis Joseph Vance. Book Two, The Lone Wolf's Daughter, Chapter Six, The Mummer. Alone with his secretary. Prince Victor Vasilevsky dropped indifferently the guise of manner with which he had clothed himself for the benefit of the woman whom he claimed as his own child. That semblance of shy affection coloured by regrets of past and modified by native nobility of a prince in exile, so becoming in a parent to whose bosom a daughter whom he had never seen was suddenly restored, being of no more service for the present, was incontinently discarded. In its stead, Victor favoured Karlslake with a slow smile of understanding that broadened into an unsuppressible grin of successful malice, a grimace of crude exaltation through which peered out the impish savage, mutinously imprisoned within the flimsy husk of a modern manner. Suspecting this self-betrayal, he erased the grin swiftly, but not so swiftly that Karlslake failed to note it and the young man smiling amiably and respectfully in return was sensible of a thrill yet another glimpse had given him into the mystery that slept behind the countenance normally so impenetrable but he was studious to show nothing of his own emotion it was his part to merely a mirror to reflect rather than to feel to be an instrument infinitely supple and unfeeling never an independent intelligence not otherwise could he count on holding his place in victor's favour you were quicker than i hoped i had no trouble sir karslake returned cheerfully things rather played into my own hands victor dropped into a chair beside the table and lifted the lid of a small golden casket helping himself to one of its store of cigarettes he made karslake free of the remainder with a gracious hand the secretary demurred producing his pocket-case if you don't mind sir victor moved a supercilious eyebrow woodbines again sorry sir i know they are pretty awful and all that but they were all i could get in france and i contracted a taste for them i can't seem to cure i remember while i lay in a hospital hardly a whole bone in my body thanks to bouquet and his flying circus it was that lot sent me crashing you know the nurses used to tempt me with the finest turkish but somehow i couldn't go them i beg for woodbines prince victor dismissed the subject curtly i am waiting to hear about sophia not much to tell sir there seemed to be a storm of sorts brewing when i got there the young woman was at her desk with a face like a thundercloud while i was trying to make up my mind what would be my best approach she jumped down flew upstairs and i gathered kicked up a holy row you see she had seen the advertisement of secretron and ciphers and smelt a rat what did she say nothing definite sir seemed to understand she was the daughter of a princess sophia vasilevsky only she objected to her father being anybody but michael lanyard go on after a bit she stampeded downstairs again with the old girl and the swine of dupont at her heels I blocked him and gave Sophia a chance to get outside. 
the whole establishment boiled out into the street after us yelling like fun but i got the girl into the car and here we are but prince victor seemed to have lost interest the glow ebbing from his face his lips tightening the thick eyelids drooping over his low eyes he sat in apparent abstraction aping the impassivity of the graven idols that graced his study i don't mind owning sir the younger man resumed nervously she had me sparring for wind when she put it to me point-blank her father's name was michael lanyard without moving victor inquired in a dull voice what did you tell her that it was a name you had once used sir but well what you told her all expect the lone wolf business don't mind me telling you i was in a rare funk till you capped my story so neatly he laughed and ventured with a hesitation quite boyish i say prince victor it is not an impertinent question was there any truth in that i mean about your having been the lone wolf twenty years ago not a syllabe said victor dryly then your name never was michael lanyard never but during a long pause the secretary fidgeted inwardly but had the wisdom to refrain from showing further inquisitiveness he could see that the strong passions were working in victor a hand extended upon the table and closed and closed with a peculiar clutching action the muscles contracted round mouth and eyes moulding the face into a cast of disquieting malevolence the voice when at length it resumed was bitter but michael lanyard was my enemy and is today he became a lover of sophia's mother he had a hand in overturning plans i made he humiliated mocked me and today he is interfering again but victor sank back in his chair suddenly that unholy grin of his flashed and faded but now his impertinence fails his insolence overreaches itself now i take the whip hand and i shall use it vindictiveness that could find relief only in action mastered the man be good enough to take this dictation Karlslake turned to the table opened a portfolio of illuminated spanish leather ready sir he said with pencil poised to michael lanyard intelligent division the war office whitehall sir your daughter sophia is now with me permit me to suggest that in consideration of the situation you cease to meddle with my affairs your own intelligence must tell you nothing could be more fatal than an attempt to communicate with her sign on the typewriter with the initial v yes sir type it in on plain paper use a plain envelope be sure that neither has a watermark and get it off tonight without fail take a taxi to st pancras station and post it there if you make haste you can get it in the pillar box before the last collection i shan't lose a minute sir Carl's lake straightened up folding the paper and made for the door one moment Carl's lake this man nogam where did you pick him up he used to battle for my father sir but got into trouble some domestic unpleasantness i believe needed money and raised a cheque the old boy let him off easy but i've got the cheque and nogam knows it the fellow's perfectly trained and absolutely dependable knows his place and his duties and not another blessed thing i'll send him in if you like prince victor uttered a dry assent why 
thought you might care to have a talk with him sir i have oh mr karlslake exclaimed i didn't know quite so commented prince victor i shall need you again tonight karlslake good night sir when the secretary had gone victor sat motionless so still that his breathing scarcely stirred his body with a face absolutely imperturbable steadfastly gazing into the darkness which shrouded the workings of his mind on the doorstep a shrill whistle sounded noham calling karlslake's taxi victor heard the vehicle roll in and stand panting at the curb then the slam of its door the diminishing rumble of its departure the house door closed and after a while the study door opened and noham halted on the threshold unstirring victor inquired what is it noham i wish to inquire would there be anything more tonight sir nothing in case sir but noham in this house regardless of the custom which you have obtained in other establishments which you have served you will always knock before entering a room and never enter until you have obtained permission but if i am sure the room is empty sir and got no answer then you may enter any room but this never this unless i am here or mr karlslake is and you get leave thank you sir good night as the door closed victor extended a thin effeminate hand to casket of ivory searched with sensitive fingertips its exquisite tracery until a cunningly hidden spring responded and the lid splitting in two sank down into its walls in the pocket thus revealed were many pills apparently hand molded of a greyish brown substance putty soft slowly victor selected three placed one after another upon his tongue and swallowed them he shut the casket and sat waiting slowly the keenness of his countenance became blurred as if the hand of an unseen sculptor were rubbing down its features doing away veneer with which europe had overlaid the primitive asiatic which now showed on the surface in every detail of coarsely modelled nose oblique eyes of animal cunning pendulous lips cruel and sensual by degrees a faint trace of colour began to flush victor's cheeks a smile modified the set of his mouth the heavy-lidded eyes lost their lustrous opacity and glimmered with uncanny light he breathed deeply evenly with evident relish the action of opium was visibly renewing his powers his expression softening became terrible with brute tenderness and longing gazing into shadows in which he saw that which he wished ardently to see he stretched forth his arms and his lips moved shaping a name sophia as those syllables freighted with the undying passion which consumed the man sounded upon the stillness victor turned sharply with a gesture of irritation looking aside listening instantaneously the asiatic disappeared thrust back into its habitual latency within the prison of european prince victor was as he had been as always to world cool composed and crafty master never creature of his emotions a faint buzzing was audible broken by muffled clicks rising victor approached a table in a corner and with a key from his pocket ring unlocked a heavy casket of bronze as he raised its cover a small electric bulb illuminated the interior focusing on the paper-covered face of mechanical writing device 
upon which a pencil with a broad flat lead operated by a metal arm was tracing characters resembling the hieroglyphics of the chinese when the clicking ceased and the pencil was addressed victor caught an end of the paper and pulled it forward until the blank surface again occupied the writing bed upon this with another pencil he inscribed a reply then closed and relocked the casket back at the table with the lamp the message just received came crisp black ash on a brazen tray from a locked chest victor produced an inverness and a soft hat of black felt wearing those he moved quickly out of the lamp's radius of light and made himself one with the shadows that crowded one another round the walls he did not leave by the hall door but of a sudden the room was untenanted end of book 2 chapter 6 read by lambda